swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Everybody, welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your host today, TJ and Raj. Hey there. Today we got more of like a fun thought exercise kind of episode. How would you describe it? Uh, it didn't start as fun because my Wi-Fi went down in round one of this draft, but yeah. now it's fun. <laughs> we're drafting and trying to do a year in review at the same time because we're not smart people, I think. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know, every Monday we're doing mock drafts and Yes, I know you're thinking, Jesus Christ, like the Stanley Cup just got handed out. But our intentions are good. Like what we want to do is build an ADP data set. It's just void of Yahoo rando drafts. And like, you know, sometimes you jump into a, a Yahoo mock draft and it's only you, right? And it's like computer picks, right? So what we want to do is we got a good group in our Discord and we reach out to them every Monday. You know, people that know what they're doing. So we're doing mock drafts every Monday and we're building ADP through that, like a local ADP. And yeah, I mean, if you guys want to join anybody out there in listener land, you guys are more than welcome to, uh, you know, join the discord. That's where you'll hear about it first. We usually do Twitter at like, you know, what, like an hour or two before the draft, if it's, if it's not full. So the best way to get in on some of these mock drafts are, are the discord, which you guys are welcome to join. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey too. And like Roger was saying, today we want to talk about like a year review. We're going to do quote unquote like fantasy awards. I'm not a big fan of like, you know, giving out the fantasy heart and this, that, and the other thing. But we just want to talk about this year. It's over what we thought, like biggest breakout, uh, biggest bust, things like that. And so we're going to get into it. But first I want to talk about this uh, Duncan Keith to Edmonton trade. What do you think? <laughs> To me, it's it's actually harder to decide because I hate it for both sides, actually. <laughs> I mean, I think it's cool that Chicago got Caleb and a pick. That's great. They unloaded some salary. I just, yeah. to be honest, I'm just trying to choose a D right now uh, for this draft. Uh, Duncan Keith. Uh, fuck. Well, put it this way. I'm not drafting Duncan Keith right now. <laughs> He's not yeah. even a consideration for me. Yeah, I mean, like when you look at the D list in Edmonton, it almost seems like they have too many good D, but their D sucks at the same time. They have a lot of good fantasy D, right? Yeah. A fantasy D is the kind of D I like. And they've got, you know, Barry broke through this year big time. Um, I guess a big, a big part of it, which I was unaware of until uh, actually I think one of your Twitter conversations earlier was the cleft bomb situation. Right, yeah. Because Larson really stepped his game up this year as sort of a defensive defenseman, and Barry obviously took over as a great offensive defenseman, which leaves cleft bomb. He is not fit, so he's probably not coming back. Yeah, that makes more sense on Edmonton's part, and the fact that it is only one year at a terrible contract, I guess they're justifying it that way, but... I don't know, man. It just seems like I saw a good tweet today. They said between Pierre Maguire getting hired in management and uh, <laughs> Duncan Keith getting hired, this is a sweet 2009. <laughs> I, I saw one too. Is uh, 
it was a Calgary account. And they said, imagine hiring Pierre Maguire and that only being the second worst signing of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Said that while you were taking a sip, right? Well, either way, uh, Duncan Keith goes back to Edmonton with him. He brings his no move. So he needs to be protected. And unless they're going to go four and four or six and three, whichever they want to do, or like, you know, just eight skaters, however it is. But he brings in, he's probably going to be with, um, I think it's Ethan Bear and Darnell Nurse as the other two defensemen that'll probably get protected. If you go four and four, then you're leaving like Yamamoto or Pujarvi exposed. And that's that's no good. But basically what I'm trying to get at is it doesn't look like Adam Larson's going to be back. Uh, that they, you know, with, with Keith coming. And another thing, Jesus, five, what is it? 5.25 for Keith or something? Like, give that to Barry. Oh man, Barry Give it to was, Barry. Barry and Larson excelled. Like they were both elite at their jobs this year. Whereas Keith is going to be what? <laughs> oh, second gonna, power play. A good a good presence in the room. Like that's not what McDavid needs right now. He needs some fucking players to play with. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Nothing like two years of five plus million for for locker room intangibles and things like that. Brutal. It's uh, all right. So for me, this means Darnell Nurse is probably your power play one guy. Like I know we all want to think it's Evan Bouchard, but in reality, like you know, we're we're all getting hopeful. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I think it's Darnell Nurse, and that Bouchard is probably your power play two guy. Duncan Keith, like showing him the ropes. Like I think he's just he's the Joe Thornton, he's the Patrick Marlowe. That's what he is. Yeah, I definitely think Keith is there to teach him. I think that is the only possible reason for him to be there. I just I. I I, it's weird because I, I I don't know. It's an experienced manager. He doesn't seem like he would be doing something for no reason. I just cannot really see any reason other than paying a crap load of money to you know give a young player some guidance, which seems like a lot of overkill to me. Give me a number zero to one hundred. One hundred being, I am fucking confident. Zero to one hundred. How confident are you that Duncan Keith bounces back enough to make this look like a good trade? How confident am I? <laughs> yeah, way less confident than the Oilers. Um, like I think he'll be f- he'll be fine. He would be yeah. fine if he was like a. But the thing is, like someone like Thornton or Spezza, they're playing for seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that, that's the difference there. <laughs> like that's that makes some sense. No you know, retention on this trade either. Weirdest thing. Let's talk about the Chicago side of things, and this is going to be premature because they picked up in this trade Caleb Jones, who's brother to Seth Jones who Chicago is heavily pursuing right now. This frees up a bunch of money in Chicago to make a deal for Seth Jones. It also opens up this door like, hey, we just traded for your brother. Want to come sign for us? That that kind of thing. Like, I mean, it's not going to hurt. Apparently they were pursuing Caleb Jones before they had interest in Seth. So it's not purely, you know, they're not trying to play chess here. This is a player they actually wanted, but it doesn't hurt. That's not a bad tactic to go by, right? I like that. And I mean... He is on the move as well, and if that if that sweetens the pot a bit, and maybe in in terms of like Twitter GMing, you could say maybe that'll that'll bring him there. But just at that level of player that that is, I don't know if that's actually gonna swing the deal. <laughs> but if it I does, like the it, idea it's, of, a, it's a great move. But I like him in Winnipeg. Selfishly, I like him in Philadelphia. But I think Chicago makes a lot of sense too. But if that doesn't happen, Adam Boquist is going to be your QB one. I think at least like that. That just has to happen. You, you really don't have too many other options. You have like Connor Murphy, Nicholas Bodan, if he comes up, uh, Calvin DeHaan. I'm not sure what he's, he might be 
Seattle bait, but don't quote me on that. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to go through like Zidorov if they sign him. <laughs> what does your decor look like? So I, I this bodes well for Boquist for now in the interim, because I do think that uh, Chicago is not done. I think Chicago is going to make moves. They're going to, you know, they're hard after Jones. They're probably hard after Dougie as well. They want to get a defenseman. They want to get a big name defenseman. And that just means bad things for somebody like, you know, Adam Boquist in, in the short term. Like, I still think he's going to be a great dynasty ad and things like that. But, uh, you know, for next year, wait and see. Let's hold our breath. Wow, you doing got drafts like we are ever. You dink. Of course, I got fucking Tarasenko. I have this whole list of like value picks that people just forgot about. I got Tarasenko. I, I was one pick away from Malkin in the seventh round. I know. And that would have been choice. 14th round at pick number seven. Take Tyler Bertuzzi. I'll throw you a bone. He's in my queue. Not, not a bad move. Yeah. Right now in my queue, I have Bertuzzi, Anderson, <clears throat> and Duclair. Josh Anderson. Got on, Anders Lee, too. Oh, yeah. That's a, a left wing. People are just forgetting about him. Just because last round of this draft, I'm going Victor Arvidsson. Meh. Last Meh. round. He's the guy yeah, I'll Yeah, I mean, right wing. It's fine. A, I'll pick up somebody. All right. Let's get, it, let's get so into the awards here. Left, right? The namesake of the show. Uh, biggest breakout. Now, just for everybody listening so that we're fully transparent, Raj and I did not share a list, so there might be some overlap. There might be, you know, some contentious picks and everything. Who did you pick for the for the biggest breakout this year? Uh, about 17 players, um, but mm. I did narrow it down. One thing I would say uh, overall, this year was definitely a season of big breakouts for D. There was... Several D who made huge jumps this year. And the guy I went with, we've actually already talked about, is Darnell Nurse. Cats League monster for the last couple of years, but this year he was actually the 25th most valuable skater in Yahoo. Uh, in skater. Points league, in points Just leagues. skater. So Dude, that's choice. Forwards, in, in points leagues, right? Like Cats Leagues with his hits and blocks, you could see that, but... He was ranked before the season at 162, and he ended up at 25. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with that. And like you said, he might even have some more opportunity if Larson leaves and Clefbaum is is blown. He has a good chance to stick in the same realm for next year. And uh, I, honestly, surprised. I was expecting a bit of a you know status quo or dip from him this year with, with Barry coming in and everything. But he, uh, he was pretty damn good. I have my worries with Darnell Nash. Going into next year, like if this just struck me, if uh, if Jones doesn't work out in Chicago, Tyson Berry in Chicago, that would be pretty slick. But to get back to my original point here, Seth or not Seth Jones, uh, Darnell Nurse, 16 goals in 56 games. That's a 23 goal pace off a 10.4 shooting percentage. That's the highest of his career by at least double. Definitely going to drop me a little some bit. goals. Definitely going to. He's going to drop some goals. goals. But if he makes up that power play time, like if he's QB1 at Edmonton, that's a push. Like this kid, uh, man, Darnell Nurse could be extremely valuable going into next year. He is a, He's a, a banger league just draft anyway. But in like points leagues and things like that, he could make himself very valuable as well. Yeah, and like I said, like uh, for next year, I think he'll be – it is a bit uh, – volatile for next year because who knows their d is obviously in in flux right now but for this year uh standalone year definitely he bumped himself up over 100 spots in yahoo so that's a pretty into the top 25 that's a pretty damn pretty damn that's good a breakout move. i had a i had carter verhage and it just made so much yeah. sense like we talked about him a lot zach and i had our differences with that and you know i 
69 point pace this year, and I'm so tempted to take the under. Florida, once again, has a ton of money going into the offseason. You have wingers out there like, like, I mean, Taylor Hall, kind of, but I'm pretty sure he signs back with with uh, with Boston. Vladimir Tarasenko on the trade market. You know, you still have Jonathan Huberto that could be a left-wing one, but Q doesn't seem like he wants to do that. If Carter Verhage drops off that first line, the under is like almost guaranteed at that point of 69-point pace. And I just don't know if there's another step there. Like, again, to, to reiterate my argument that I have with Zach is this is kind of, <clears throat> you could almost call it the first year of data that we have on him. Because his first year in Tampa, we're talking under 10 minutes time on ice, uh, barely any power play time. And and he got like shot up close to 18 minutes time on ice, top line next to Alexander Barkov. Man, I, I don't know what to believe. So I'm very apprehensive about Carter Verhage and pretty much all of Florida. Like Sam Bennett, he's he's in my list here. So we're going to talk about him. But I'm a little bit worried about Sam Bennett as well. Like Florida as a whole is just giving me like 18, 19 Calgary vibes that it's just like <laughs> kid, like a little bit of Kid Icarus. Like you flew too close to the sun. I'm not sure what to expect. I, I would love to be wrong and I hope I am. I really hope I am. But it's just, it's something that uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it repeats. That's what I want to say. So I, I do think he's like a 65 point guy. I'd be comfortable with that. Give or take five points going into next year. But to say for certain that he's going to take another step, I just got to, I got to pump the brakes on that. A slam on the brakes on that. Similar to Nurse, right? I don't know if there's another year there, and I don't know if it's even repeatable, but man, did he have a year. Did <laughs> and, he have a year, right? And holy shit, is Barkov ever a player maker, man? Like he let's, is. Let's do that. Let's unpack Florida right now. Aaron Eckblad. Now, last year, prior to this past season, 50-point pace from power play two, did really well, even strength, did not do so well on the power play. This past year, didn't do so well at even strength, did really well on the power play. He's an anomaly. He's an enigma in himself. Mackenzie Weger led all defensemen at even strength points, an enigma. Sam Bennett comes out and blows fucking doors off as a 2C. That's an enigma of itself. So if, if, if you're going to ask me if he's going to score 1.5 points per game under, that's a hard under. I think I could see him, you know, 65, 70, maybe 75 if everything clicks right and he keeps that top power play role. There is another enigma. And then Carter Hagee, enigma. Like this is four, this is already, this is four players that we're talking about that that's just like, man, I don't know if I buy this. It's it's just, it's really hard to Florida. Really don't and know. then you throw in the goalie situation, you know, like it's just such a weird team. It's such a volatile team. They could, there's a, yeah. They could very That's well weird. be awesome, and they could very well be terrible. Like it, it, it's, it's a, uh, it. You know what else? And I think this is probably uh, a little bit of conjecture, but like they do. Um, it it seems like a place where guys love to try when it's going well, but can very easily let it go when it's not going well. So it it seems like the um, the possibility for huge swings is uh, is possible there. It's not like Toronto or Vancouver or New York or something where it's like you're in the spotlight no matter if you're doing well right. or not. So guys tend to want to, you know, at least look good. Uh, I mean, you could still call it, you know, you're playing with a chip on your shoulder a little bit. And that's that's something that you know me. I, I, I like to think of myself as like the first that was in on Sam Bennett. 
And I was hard on Sam Bennett. So you would almost say that I like Sam Bennett. I want him to succeed, things like that. Yeah. But man, um, Calgary, he was he was like a 19-point player in the regular season. And then he was like a 58-point player in the playoffs. When there's something on the line, when he has something to prove, he steps it up three gears. He shorts from first gear to fourth gear. He just goes straight. If he gets comfortable in Florida and there's less to prove, I just wonder if there's if he steps back mentally, you know, like if he gets comfortable, if he loses that chip on his shoulder, man, I want Sam Bennett. Like I like him. He hits, he shoots. He's, he's got great chemistry with, with Huberto. I mean, if we want to jump right there, biggest, uh, best second half. And really it was only 10 games, but it was a loud enough 10 games that for me, the second half on him oh, yeah. was like deafening. Yeah, I mean, we could just we can just finish that section because all I put in the best second half was Bennett next. Like the, it's, uh, he just you called it for sure, um, definitely, and uh, he came through for you. He was he was every bit of hockey player he ever dreamed of being happened in those last ten games there in Florida. Dude, it was it was like me and Nate on an island. Like everybody get in on <laughs> Sam Bennett. Me and Nate were just talking about him, man. All right, biggest bust. I, I I think we have to agree here. Um, I want to hear you say it first. I could argue too for the biggest bust. I went with Eichel. Um, okay. Um, and the only reason is he had some help in his bust, definitely, like the rest of the team and a huge injury. But just strictly looking at position, he went from number six to number four hundred ninety-eight. Yeah. Uh, granted, he only played twenty-one games. And he had a 18 points, so he started out with like on a 70 point pace, which is fine, not Eichel like, but okay. And then he got injured, and then he was done. So, I mean, if you drafted Eichel, it was probably in round one, and you got a guy who got you 18 points. So I was but, I was about ready to get on your case about injury related busts, like Elias Pettersson, Tevu Teravainen, like there are guys who got hurt, but the yeah. time that Eichel wasn't hurt, he sucked. And we were all like, please just score a fucking goal. Yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't great when he was playing, and then he got hurt and all that. Um, but I could, uh, there's a few more, but I'll let you. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me, yeah. man. Like, he was unanimously inside the top five in most people's goalies' rankings. And needless to say, spoiler alert, he did not end up in the top five by a long <laughs> shot. We could throw Anthony Mantha in there just because I was very loud about Mantha. But I, I do like Mantha for next year. He's gonna he's gonna show up. And just sort of a the partner in in crashing crime this year was Taylor Hall. Obviously, that was a, a risky one. Like that was hoping for a bounce back that didn't happen. So it's not a true bust the way these Eichel and Hart were. Like those are a couple of projected to be elite players. And then if Zach was here, I'm sure he'd say Markstrom because he drafted him in every league. But oh yeah, well that's how you were with Taylor Hall too. You were you were invested pretty heavily in Hall. I hoped I hoped it would work. I thought it honestly thought it would work and it totally totally didn't work. Not best a, waiver wire pickups, a... man. Who was your best waiver wire pickup? Let's start in the forward department. This was another tough one and I don't want to I don't want to blow any of your picks that I didn't do, so I'll just I'll tell you who I decided on and I'll tell you who I I actually picked. But I I honestly I went with Jason Robertson. Oh, good call. Uh, yeah, I, um, I was struggling over forward, but Robertson, man. And the reason being, like, yes, Tolvan and uh, not Tolvan and sorry, um, KK Kaprasov did a little a little better uh, throughout the year, but he was super streaky. 
And he was drafted too, so he wasn't a pickup, you know. And, and he, yeah, in, in pretty much all leagues, he was drafted. Robertson was not drafted. I, I didn't look at the numbers on that, but I'm almost certain nobody drafted Jason Robertson. And he just sort of, he didn't have like a huge week the entire season. He also didn't have a bad week the entire season. He didn't go three games without a point the whole season for a rookie on a defensive team that had injuries. He ended up... You win this one. He started 13 minutes, Tom, on ice, and then as soon as he got some time on ice, he was great and basically point per game for the whole year, and I, I... I snagged him in a couple leagues, and there was just never a reason to drop him. So that's why I liked him as a, as a waiver guy. Hard to beat that. I kind of cheated a little because I drafted Vincent Trocek in four out of five of our listener leagues, but it was super late to the point where, you know, I think in most leagues, we're talking 12-teamers here most on, on an average. I think most of us are in 12-team leagues. But uh, you probably picked up Trocek. You know, he was, he was probably a pickup. I remember in the first few weeks of the season we were like okay hop on this guy top power play get on it and it and it worked and we rode that into the sunset so Trocek good to go what do you think about Trocek next year they're you know Carolina they got money they could go out they could do something I think man Connor Garland in Carolina just sounds great I want that I want that no more Brock McGinn on the top line (laughs) sorry Mr. McGinn but that's laughable yeah yeah no more Martinuk, no more fucking Mark Donk, just Garland. Yeah. Please. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. And I think uh I think Trocek's good history plus his resurgence this year, he's pretty safe to stay in his spot and they'll build around him kind of thing. Um, We've been seeing him getting drafted pretty high in these mocks. He's like he's not making it past the seventh round most times. Yeah, that'll be the definitely you're not going to get him off the waiver wire next year. But um, nope. just since we've moved past, I just wanted to say that there was a one or two leagues where Pavelski was actually not drafted. Oh, yeah. Good call. And a lot ended, of gems in, in Dallas. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple and they were like Pavelski was really he ended up ninth, <laughs> ninth in in uh, in Yahoo in, in certain situations. And uh, that, but uh, yeah, any of those guys are definitely Who's the best waiver wire D pickup? I feel a little bit like your Trocheck pick with this one because I I picked Chikrin. Yep, it's Chikrin. That's the uh, only answer here. Fuck, man. He went. Uh, this is just something I was looking at when we were looking at these uh, awards types things. And, and it, I looked at their advancement in Yahoo, and Chikrin went up 220 spots in Yahoo. Mm. Um over the year and was not necessarily drafted at the start of the year. And so, you know, some people have wanted him to do this for a year or two and he kind of didn't. And he sure did this year. Chikrin had a strange year. Now he started off with huge power play time and ice ended the year uh, in the last 13 games. He was under two minutes power play time and ice, but yeah, uh, I think him and OEL were tied for power play points. So what I like there is a ton of even strength production. Uh, only 51% of the power play share for Chikrin. You you have to imagine that goes up next year. Like the shot volume was over three. He's lethal on the power play, uh, you know, relative to Arizona. But Well, I think he, he had a, a little dip in his hits pace, which in Cats leagues, I guess, is a little bummer. It wasn't anything major, but he, he went down a little bit. But it was because he was spending more time on the power play. He had more shots on goal and a better shooting percentage because of the power play. So his shooting percentage did go up, but it was probably had a lot to do with that um, power play. Um, 
So I had him as my biggest D, uh, but also he, I, I would realistically, looking at the numbers, I would call him, in terms of like Yahoo positioning, he was the biggest breakout actually, like biggest improvement anyways. I see a lot of parallels in the goal scoring with him and Darnell Nurse. 16 goals for Darnell Nurse in 56 games, 18 goals in 56 games for Jacob Chikrin, both above 10%, where, you know, Chikrin has a, a higher career shooting percentage. So the drop might be not be as drastic, but, uh, you know, it's it's been a solid progression upwards. But I just don't know if we're, we're on a, like a, 24 goal pace here with their 25 goal pace man like i don't know that's that's hard to do yeah that's a little elite i would say chikrin has a better chance to repeat in the offensive department than nurse does uh just just a hunch even though i mean i say that out loud and nurse is on edmonton which is an <laughs> yeah. offensive juggernaut S compared staring to down the uh <laughs> the top power play down there but, it's a tough uh, bet but yeah yeah, I mean, either of those guys could drop off, but yeah, Chikrin was a was a definitely a dope pickup from the wire. Um, if you're able to get him early, and then no reason to drop him after that. Let's talk about goalies. Who was the best goalie pickup this year? I'm not going to talk about the best goalie pickup because Mike there Smith. was there was a couple <laughs> there was a couple. Mike Smith was actually yeah. uh, I picked him up. And there were a handful. He did well. Uh, there was a couple others. I need to say Thatcher Demko if you picked him up during that one, two-week period. Because everyone had dropped him, and the second everybody dropped, like a lot of people were high on him at the start of the year, and the Canucks were garbage, so everyone dropped him. And then he went on a bubble Demco run of about two or three weeks where he was sitting at like a 970 save percentage and winning everything. That definitely didn't last. Um, but he ended up with a 915, which is fine. But if you managed to pick him up during that one streak, he definitely won you goalies for like three weeks in a row and then went back to being okay. And the one reason I did want to say him is because my only opportunity to mention a Canuck today, because uh, they were all terrible. But also, I think going forward to next year, he's probably the most likely of all of the these type of goalies to actually continue next year. Like there's a couple of couple of other guys who came along um, who I think w it'll be more questionable if they continue next year. Um, I'll, I'll let you go, and then I'll... I got uh, UC Soros with an honorable mention in Camp Talbot, but Soros, it's just, you, you can't ignore it. 927, 21 wins and 36 starts. You know, Nashville, the only reason, maybe not the only reason, but uh, the biggest reason was UC Soros that they, they made the run that they did, and it's just, it's hard to ignore. He was great. He's been great since John Hines got there, since he took the helm. He, he's the guy. He's the guy. And I, I got him. Definitely. I, you got We got to throw in, I mean, you have to throw in Lankinen and Adelkovic as possibilities because fuck, did they ever come through? <laughs> but I think that's like, that that kind of winds up being the title, you know, of, of this book on goalies is just wait, go, go zero G. As Apples and Genos would say, just don't draft goalies because, you know, we didn't say, you know, Connor Hellebuck, or I, I guess those guys aren't getting picked up or anything, but, you know, Soros doing what he did, Talbot doing what he did, just the amount of value you can get off the waiver wire. Yeah. Best first half. Who's your guy? Well, I picked someone 
and then I found someone better later. But uh, who I originally picked was Kopitar, actually, hmm. uh, because his first half was definitely better than his second half. And I didn't break it into exact <clears throat> halves, but he was on a 94-point pace for the first 25 games, which nobody called for Kopitar to have a 94-point season. Um, came out of the gates hard. And what was kind of cool or interesting or something, he did it with a normal shooting percentage and his usual deployment. He just played well, shot a lot. His shooting percentage was still under 10. It was, it was you know, not like a weird freak thing. He ended up with 50 points in 56 games, which is a, it's a fine season. Uh, but he came out of the gates really hard on a brutal team. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I was I was just I wanted to shout that out because I, I think Kopitar fantasy he's always been pretty good in cats leagues and stuff and covers a lot of different things pretty reasonably well. But as a player, I think Kopitar is one of the more underrated guys mm. just for what he's managed to do. He's a great hockey player. I'm looking at close to 50 percent of his production coming from the power play. So that was, that was a big bonus for him. Twenty three out of his 50 points were on the power play. That helps. <laughs> that helps. That sure shit helps. I had uh, a yeah. Jacob Voracek or not Jacob Voracek, uh, JVR. I saw JV and just went Voracek, but yeah, James Van Riemsdyk, man, he uh, was like probably if his first half would have continued, we would have been talking about him as the best waiver wire pickup of the year. But alas, we are not. He had what? 28 points in his first 25 games. And then back that up with 15 points in his, last 31 games so that is definitely a tale of two seasons uh first half performer for sure and then i got jordan kiru just just to mention the guy because he was i mean his first half i remember holding on and holding on for dear life just because of how good he was 14 points in his first 15 games then seven in his next 13 and then four in the next 13 so like you know things really tapered off maybe the first quarter but i think kiru's got another gear that we've yet to see Best second half, we already talked about Sam Bennett. Let's talk about who got the biggest playoff bump. You see it every year. I feel like I need to mention for the second half, guys, I want to mention Lafreniere because I basically on every episode of Five Hole this entire season talked about how terrible he was. And he was garbage. But in the second half, he actually started to show signs to that he was going to be improving. And he did turn it around a fair bit. Just as the season went on, not even the second half, more of like the the last quarter, he actually started to look like he might be worthwhile next year. And I just wanted to point that out because I did make a huge point of talking about how disappointing he was more than several times this season. So I wanted to, because I know he's listening. I wanted to shout him out and just say he, yeah, he really right. did actually show up huge improvement in the, towards the end of the season. Like huge. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what Gerard Gallant does because he's talked about playing the kids. So I just want to get some stable lines up in there. For me, the biggest playoff bump was, and I'm talking the real playoffs versus like the the fantasy playoffs where Sam Bennett, I think, would be perfect. Charlie McAvoy overtook Matt Grizzlick for power play one. I think this is going to be a trend that continues for next year. So Charlie McAvoy as your power play one guy, I think you can lock and load it. I think that's it. I think he's there. And he's been like a, you know, 12th round ADP type of guy prior to this playoffs. But I think if if we can use that, you know, the the time, the games that mean the most, you know, 
putting McAvoy out there, you could probably carry that over into next year. I think McAvoy is your, your QB one. So for me, that's the biggest playoff value bump. And I will be targeting Charlie McAvoy going into drafts next year. Yeah. And that's another guy who people kind of have like thought might do this someday. And this seems to be the day that he, he really pulled it all together. Yeah. A big playoff bump. And another guy just on the, on the Tampa Bay side of things, um, Braden Point again, two years in a row. He has a decent yeah. regular season, and he's a he's a legit playoff performer. He really is. Who was your biggest whiff this year? We're talking personal whiffs, right? Yeah. I I made a list of three because I made uh, the big one was Taylor Hall. I gambled. I th- I really thought him and Eichel had a chance to prove something. Well, they had the chance. They did not use the chance between the injuries thought, and everything uh, else. I thought the odds were on your side there. Uh, I hope to be talking about him in the biggest atotosos. But, yeah, Hall for sure. One call I made out loud um, at the start of the season is that Yossi would be better than Hamilton this year. Definitely not. Definitely not even close. Uh, Hammer was 25, and Yahoo, Yossi ended up at 162. So not much discussion there. And then the one, just because uh, I did say that Dadnov would maintain a 55 to 60 point pace, even going to Ottawa because he was good enough. And um, the kids took over and Dadnov just kind of rode in the back seat. And yeah, he did not do it. So those would be my three whiffs for sure. Mine was definitely Anthony Mantha. And, you know, I thought I thought there would be some reprieve with him getting traded to Washington. I thought, you know. And it does look good for the future, but I feel like a broken record at this rate. Um, But I think what changes things going into the future is that we've seen Washington kind of fade away from Kuznetsov on power play one. We saw it with Jakob Vrana before the trade, and now we're seeing it with Anthony Mantha. And we even saw Anthony Mantha take line one reps over Tom Wilson. So if there's a world where Anthony Mantha is top line, top power play. Like if he's got some primo top, top deployment, Anthony Mantha is going to make me look smart just one year later than he should. You know, that, that definitely was my biggest whiff is, uh, you know, I thought Mantha had a really good season on a really bad team, put everything together and you have a really good season on a really bad team. It just didn't happen. And, you know, plain as day, but uh, you know, change of scenery is going to change my tune, but I am a bit jaded. The same way I am on Robert Thomas. I just he's he's not gonna happen. He'll he'll never be a sleeper for me. I think yeah, I think you're only a year off though. I do think Mantha's uh it's I think he's got something this year. I think so. Who's your biggest hit? Who are you right on? Well, you know how much I love to talk about those things. I saved it for last, yeah. A couple things that I'd say I was right on. I mean, a big one for me is I, I absolutely thought Besser would return to form. Um, I didn't actually end up owning him on any team personally, um, but I figured that Besser would be back. He was on, a, I think, a 41-goal pace this year, something like that, and I think that was... Uh, I figured he'd, he'd bounce back to about a 35 to 40 goal pace. So uh, that, that was nice for me personally. But in terms of players who I think were a surprise, maybe ish, Drieger would be very good. Um, in one of our preseason episodes, I said Drieger would outperform Shesty this year, which he, they were close, but Drieger actually did, you could say he did a little better, definitely comparable, but um, that was not a, a common one, which I think I got right. And then I did uh, the other one, I guess, 
two, I'll throw in um, Lafreniere. I said, there's no way he's a 70-point guy. In fact, I said Quinn Hughes would outscore Jack Hughes, Kako, and Lafreniere again, which which he did. And then I said Darlene sucks, which... It's just a perfect storm. <laughs> I mean, he, I don't think he sucks, but man, his, his fantasy season sucked. I got to say Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry was my goodest hit, my best hit. Uh, yeah. Tyson Berry and Vincent Trocek, but I, I wasn't really vocal about Vincent Trocek. I just drafted a fuck ton of Vincent Trocek and it turned out to be right. Um, but Tyson Berry, I was pretty vocal about. And there was a few weeks at the beginning of this season where I thought I might be wrong, but I was steadfast. I, you know, I held to it. Anybody that asked, I told them like, just be patient. This is the Edmonton power play we're talking about. And in the end of the year, I think he led all defensemen in points. So that's a hit. That's a hit. Yeah, man. But anyway, that's, uh, that's what I got, man. So that's it for uh, for this episode. Um, you know, once again, I invite you guys to join the Fantasy Hockey Discord. And when I say it's bumping, it's it's bumping. Like, it, you know, it has not slowed down at all. People in there, trade advice. We're talking just plain old hockey, making fun of Pat Maroon for dropping the Stanley Cup or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, come hang out. And if you want to talk to us, we're in the Discord or we're on Twitter at FHF Hockey. And uh, until Thursday, what are we what are we doing Thursday? We're doing a keeper, doing the keeper episode. Yeah, if you got any questions, uh, fire them at us on Twitter or on, in the Discord, and and uh, we'll be answering keeper questions. If you got any confusion about who you should keep or, or drop for for next year, yep, we're gonna do first half of the show. I think we're planning for just like straight up just keeper strategy, how we approach keeper leagues. Uh, you know, a variety of different keeper leagues: keep three, keep six, keep ten, whatever. And I think we got about a half dozen submissions of keeper questions. People. Uh, you know, struggling with their scenarios, or maybe they're confident in their scenarios. They just want a second opinion. Either way, you guys are welcome to reach out to us. Uh, we'll talk about it on the show. We'll hash it out here, what we would do and how we would approach your roster. One thing I do ask is that uh, you give us as much context as you can. How many teams are in your league? What is this scoring? You don't have to like drop, you know, every last bit of scoring. It helps if you do, but you don't. Like if you just tell us points, account you know hits and blocks or if it's you know it's a, it's a banger league categories whatever that helps us to make a more informed approach to how we would nail down your your keepers and things like that so you know definitely reach out to us if you if you want us to talk about uh your keeper scenarios on the show but if not you can just listen and whatever so thanks for listening that's us we love you